I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. So what I'm trying to do with these uh, is do some stuff I can't do in my car, and that is talking to people on the phone, which is surprisingly hard to do in the car. So today I have a very special guest, Aaron Forsyth. So say hi, Aaron. Hey, everybody. So uh, Aaron and I go way back. We've actually worked together for 20 years now. Um, yeah. So I wanted to start talking about sort of how you came to Wizards. Since, since I was involved in this story, I know, but uh, how did it happen? Well, so like many players came off the tour, I put up a few good results um, and was writing articles. I, I, I top-rated two team pro tours. I top-rated U.S. nationals. Uh, and then went on to win the World Team Championship in the year 2000. Um, and I was writing articles on Star City and a couple other websites. Um, and I had been doing some editing on a aggregator website called Meridian Magic at the time. So I was, you know, trying to keep my hand in the game as much as I could. Uh, and I think it was the, that combination of, of working on websites and, and creating content and, and being a high-profile player I got my name on a list of people that you had been putting together uh, to be the first content manager for what would become Daily MTG. And I remember you called me at home one day. I was watching the All-Star game in July of 2000, and you called me at home and said, hey, we have a job you might be interested in. And that's how it all started. Yeah, so it the story's a little more complex. It, didn't, it wasn't quite as simple as, hey, do you want this job? But... Uh... You did eventually get the job. Yeah, well, it was definitely like, we have a job you might be interested in. You want to come interview. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, sorry, that was year 2001, not 2000. No, right, right. July of 2001. Um, yeah, you you had a, a list of names of different... Uh, I had a list of three names, and uh, the other two said they weren't interested. You were the only one of my list that said you're interested, so I, I pushed very hard for you because I thought you would be good at it. Um, which you were actually, you were, you were good. I appreciate that. I, I had, I had a college degree. I had gotten a chemistry degree, but I was just kind of kicking around various other jobs. I had not found a career that I liked yet. I was still playing magic a lot, uh, and professionally as much as I could. And I was hoping to turn that into something. Um, Randy Bueller was from, uh, the play group I was in, in, in Pittsburgh and he had gotten, you know, turned his pro tour success into a job at Wizards. And I was like, wow, that's an actual path you can take. I, would, I don't know if they're going to take more guys from Pittsburgh, but I would love for that opportunity. And uh, lo and behold, it, it, it made itself available through you asking me for that job. And my wife was more than happy to take a flyer and move across the country if it worked out. So, yeah, I remember flying out um, for an interview like, shortly after 9-11, um, like we, we weren't sure we were actually going to be able to do the interview or I was going to be able to come out there because they grounded all the planes for a while after nine eleven. but, uh, I made it out there interviewed. I think you told me like, no, I wasn't going to get the job. And a couple weeks later, I was like, oh, actually we do want to offer you the job. I'm not sure all the politics behind all that. Well, the, 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 the behind the scenes story, I can tell you a little bit behind the scenes story is there was a, I was tasked by Bill Rose to put together the website, to sort of organize the website. And so I was working in conjunction with the the technical people that were like technically put it, like I was in charge of content and they were in charge of all the back end, you know, all the, the yeah. tech of making it work. And yeah. um, 
I really wanted to hire you, but they wanted to hire somebody that they had chosen, not that I had chosen. And so there's this little bit of tension. And so um, you came in for the interview and went really well, but like, well, we wanted to interview other people. And so they interviewed other people and then they just couldn't get somebody else. And finally they're like begrudgingly goes, okay, I guess we'll take Mark's guy. Oh. And that that's why it took so long because they like they they wanted to hire their guy and not my guy was kind of the thing. Yeah, I, I, so the, the, right. The team that I ended up working for uh, was the web team. They were not part of R and D or anything like that. They were their own department. Um, and yeah, I think they were probably looking for someone that had more technical website experience or something like that, which I didn't have at all. Right, but you had the magic content. Like, I cared about the content, so I'm like, I need a guy that knows magic. I, yeah. Somebody who knows the technical side but doesn't know magic did me no good, so. Yeah, I remember my interview. Um, I think it was just like three people. It was an HR guy that's no longer at the company, you, and Doug Byer. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Like, Doug was on the web team with me. Uh, he was more of the... HTML, the kind of code guy. He actually designed the first version of Gatherer. He, he wrote a lot of the of the stuff. Um, oh, here the, the HTML code and whatnot for the website. And I was the one that was kind of editing and dumping articles into the content management tool. So yeah, we we uh, you can talk more about the website in its early days. Yeah. So the, the real quickly the story. That I don't know if you know, but. Uh... I, I would go to meetings with these other people for interviews, and I would just ask lots of magic questions, and then I would say, they don't know magic. I need someone that knows magic. And that, that's why they couldn't find somebody, because they couldn't find someone that had the technical side that knew magic. Yeah, I've definitely been in plenty of interviews since I've been at Wizards with people that are trying to fake how much magic they know. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's so easy to, to yeah, it's, people out. It, it's hard to fool me that you, if you think you know magic and you don't. So That's right. Um, okay, so we started on the website. So it's oh, it started in 2002. I mean, you started in work at two, in 2001, but the website started in January of 2002. And how long did you work on the website? I think it was like two years, something like that. Um, yeah, so I would, I would work on the website. I would, I would contact the authors and get them to write articles. Remember, Torment was the first set we ended up putting up content for, preview articles and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I would do all that, edit all the articles, I would make some of the graphics that would go in the articles, figure out what articles we wanted to write, and con- get all that done. Make the uh, magic arcanas and the card of the days and the ask wizards and things like that. Right, bug R&D to answer their questions, right? That's right. Uh, and then if I had any free time, I would go down to the, the R&D pit and, and, and play test FFL for you know a couple hours a week just to keep my eyes on how that was going uh, and immerse myself a little bit more in that. So I, I always had like, you know, an idea that card design would be a cool thing to do. It certainly wasn't why I was hired and it wasn't really a goal of mine when I got, when I walked in the door, but the more I hung out down there, the more I'm like, Oh, I really enjoy this. I think I might be good at it. So, so the next stage is, so what's your memory of how you ended up on future site? Not future site. Oh, not future site. Sorry, fifth on. Right. So there was. I ended up being put on the fifth on design team, even though I wasn't in R and D. And I believe it was some arrangement that by embedding me on the design team, I'd be like an embedded reporter in a war zone. Like I would, I would be able to generate a bunch of good stories, articles, content, 
about how the design process works, and uh, that would be entertaining stuff to end up on the website. Yeah, so, um, right, we brought you on. I mean, you had expressed to me interest in doing design, and then I think you and I, I, I had pitched the, this would be a great opportunity for Aaron to write about stuff and have an insider thing, and um, Randy went for it. So uh, we got you on the team, and then you kicked butt. You did a really good job. Yeah. Um, was Sunburst and cool. Scry both yours, I think? Yeah, both of the keywords. Yeah, Scry is one of my lo- like longest impacting individual design contributions to the game, so I'm happy I came up with that. And you did Sunburst too, right? Yep, I did. Yeah. Um, so, so what happened... Yeah. Well, here's my memory. So, what, what's your memory of what happened after that? So, you, you do, you're on Fifth On... We did fifth on, and then I remember this was around the time my first daughter was born. I, um, I was also doing work on with with Robert Cuchero, who's leading eighth edition. He was just like I had been looking through that file and offering him card ideas, and he was super happy to hear like the, some of the reprints I'd come up with for that. So I I've been working with other people on on stuff in the department. But I remember I was home on paternity leave in two thousand three. And Randy stopped by my house. Randy Gouy was the director of R&D at that time and said, hey, we've got a open designer position. Do you think you want it? Uh, so that that's my, like, memorable milestone for what happened next. I'm not sure if you have something else you remember. Yeah, my memory of it was we had an opening, and I, I was just blown away. I thought you did an amazing job on Fifth Dawn, and... I just remember talking with Randy and saying, like, I, I, I was trying to express how much potential I saw in you as a designer. So, um, and, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of people on design teams. You, you, you probably had one of the best, like, first design teams ever I'd ever seen. Like, like you made two of the major mechanics in the, in the set, and your contributions were just through the roof. So, um, I was just very impressed. I thought your design skills were great. And in fact, so the plan was, uh, I, I'm always kind of trained, like train uh, the next me, essentially, you know, train the next designer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you were my protege for a little while. Yeah, so I came to R&D when Randy gave me the offer. Uh, super happy to be able to do that. But then I wasn't actually, I came in, I wasn't working that much on magic when I first started to, to R&D. I, I got, put on the G.I. Joe TCG, which I really enjoyed working on as a lifelong fan of the G.I. Joe cartoons and the toys and whatnot. That was kind of fun. We used to do the, a whole bunch of different games besides just Magic and Duel Masters. A lot of trading card games. The TCG team did a lot of stuff. We had like the Harry Potter game and there was a baseball and a football game and there's all the, yeah. So there was always like tons of other card games. I also spent a lot of time working on Axis and Allies miniatures. Uh, early on, and I worked on uh, like Hecatome and Dreamblade and all these other weird, weirdo games that you know never lasted, uh, but they were fun and they certainly taught me a lot working with all these other designers. Uh, and then I ended up coming back to Magic um, pretty much full time when when you kicked off the Ravnica team. Right, right. Yeah, you were you were on, you were on Ravnica. Um... Yeah, I was. I was actually one of your bigger uh, allies when it came to. Oh, trying to do the the, the, the guild the model. Guild model split the split the colors up in a strange way. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I I think what's going on was I was 
I was trying to train you, so I was I was I was trying to get you on as many design teams as I could. Um, and that yeah, that's around the time of Ravnica. Yeah, so I skipped. I mean, I worked on Fifth Dawn, and I skipped working on all of Kamigawa Block. Um, and then I came back and started working on Ravnica. Interesting. Me too. I I, were, I didn't work much on Kamigawa Block. I was, on the, I was on the development team for Kamigawa. It's the only thing I did in Kamigawa Block. Of Champions yeah, I, played, I played a bunch of FFL with it, but I, I didn't have much contribution on the design side. Um, okay, so you're on Ravnica team. So when... So the next step was you got promoted to head developer. Is that the next step? Well, so I ended up... So I was on, I was on Ravnica design. I was on Guild Pack design. And then I got to lead Dissension design. Um, and then... I mean, I had to eventually lead Lorwyn. The next year, I was on Time Spiral Design. Um, and I, didn't, I didn't touch the next two sets, but then, yeah, it's because I started leading Lorwyn. Uh, and then it was sometime in that time, but it's between leading the design of Lorwyn and leading the development of Shadowmoor that I got promoted to, you know, what was the development manager position, I guess? The, yeah. Was what it was at that time? Yeah. Um, who, who's in charge of all the playtesting and whatnot? I didn't keep that job for very long because it wasn't that too long thereafter that I got promoted to uh, director. Yep. Yeah, that was Randy. Randy left and you took Randy's position. Right, Randy had moved off to um, to do some digital stuff, uh, start up another department. And then there was just kind of this vacuum with no director for several months in the department. Bill was kind of trying to lead everything himself. Um, and then a bunch of us interviewed for the director position. I remember interviewing for that with Randy and Bill. Yep. And I got that around 2000. This is when my second daughter was born. So it'd be about 2007 when I found out that I got that job. And so that's more ha- that's having children's good for your uh, your your uh, career. my career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's basically the job I've been in since then. Uh, I got I got promoted just you know titularly to uh, vice president of design just this past year, but it's it's the same role. I still report to Bill. Um, I still have all the so designers in my org chart. So explain what what what, what do you do? For the average person might not know. What do you do? Uh, yeah, the average person might not know. I'm your boss. Yes, you are my boss. That is true. <laughs> you used to be my boss. That's yes. kind of a funny yes a funny twist. Um, I oversee generally the design of, of every magic card that comes out um, of the department. And sometimes that means being very tactical and leading sets and teams myself, but often it is just a constant review process, thumbs up being a bunch of things, helping decide direction on like which settings and worlds and mechanics and what we want to use, and then letting people go and do their thing. Um, oversee the play design team as well to make sure that they're churning out awesome play formats. And then um, we've since moved the editors back into my org as well. So pretty much anyone who's touching magic cards at the creation of them from a gameplay perspective is my responsibility. Sure. Right now I'm leading a team. That's a lot of fun. Oftentimes it's just a lot of more business meetings, which is not as fun. Um, try to sneak in and do a couple drafts a week or something like that to keep my hands on stuff. But mostly it's, you know, find good designers, 
let them loose, keep an eye on them to make sure they're doing the right things, and uh, let the magic happen. So, okay, so, uh, and you just celebrated, or you're, when is your 20th? My 20th is 2021. Oh, 2021, okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, it, yeah, I've been here for... Almost 20 years. October 20, 2001 was when I started, so almost 20 years. Okay. So, what do you think is your biggest influence on magic? Um, so, I think it stemmed from when I got put in charge of designing M10. And I was trying to figure out where I think magic may have, may have deviated a little bit from why I fell in love with it. And I think my biggest contribution has been a doubling down on resonant top-down design. Everywhere we can do it. It started in the core set with individual cards. It kind of ended up bleeding into sets like Zendikar and Estrada that we did shortly thereafter. But saying like that is why magic is enjoyable. It's, it's not about complex rules interactions. It's not about zone-changing effects, um, two-for-ones or whatnot. It's about bringing fantasy to life through the interactions of these cards and things like that. Um, and this has been kind of my MO. You know, that, That's how we can keep the game fresh and fun and inviting for players. So that's been my, I think, my biggest contribution to keeping the game going as long as it has. So by the way, when he said M10, just for those who don't know, uh, he, Magic 2010 is the, the set he's talking about. Yeah, so Magic 2010, um, like the core sets were all reprints for years and years, and like their sales have been kind of tailing off over time. So uh, our brand manager for the, the expansion before that, which was 10th edition, um, decided, oh, we're just going to make it black-bordered. So they'd all been white-bordered ever since uh, Revised back in, like, 94. And all they were all, you know, they just felt like second-rate citizens, all these white-bordered reprints that no one was that interested in. They decided, okay, we're going to make it black-bordered in 10th edition. Then when I got in charge of put in charge of and the set that was going to come after that eleventh edition, it was like, how are we going to one up that? And so just the idea of throw that out. We don't need all reprints. We shouldn't. That that's that's not how this set should be built. We should be able to make new things to do the things we want better than any existing cards do. So uh, that was kind of a a big paradigm shift in how we made those sets, and it went over super well. And at the same time, we we revamped a lot of the rules change the terminology, introduce things like Battlefield and Exile, things that kind of just play into that same philosophy for me. Just make the game evocative. Um, you know, use words that help you tell stories while you're playing, and then that, that way the game just feels more alive and more fun. A good philosophy. Yes, you've been an awesome partner at bringing that to life. I do like resonance. So. <laughs> um, okay, so of all the things you've worked on, um, let's say other than Magic 2010, could you just talk about Magic 2010? Of all the other products you worked on, what emotionally has the the warmest spot in your heart? Hmm. Well, you have, can you do, do a quick rundown? What are sets you've led? Just so they, they, they're aware. Right, um, Dissension was my first design lead. I haven't laid that many sets on this. Dissension, 
Magic 2010, Magic 2011, um, Morwen. I led the development of Shadow Moor. I led the development of New Phyrexia. And I led the design of M15. Okay. That's about it. Um, and a set in the future. <laughs> right, and a set in the future. I mean, that's the one I am currently most enamored with and have yeah. the, highest, the highest level of emotional attachment to. We can talk about that. Some, yeah, say in the future we can talk about that. <laughs> um, I mean, Morwen, there are things I love about it and things that, are, you know, make me cringe looking at it now. The same is true of Shadow Moor. The same is true of most of that stuff. New Phyrexia as well. Yeah. I mean, I do, I mean, I do regret Phyrexian mana for sure, which is just one of the all-time easiest mechanics to pick on for sure. Um, but I think otherwise, I, I love a lot about that set. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 mandate from Eric Lauer at the time, who was the development lead, was you know while I'm developing this, don't worry don't worry about making um, cards that play into themes all that much. Just try to make independently powerful cards. Um, and so I did, you know, cards like Karn and the Praetors and and whatnot. They're just kind of all time greats. Batter Skull. These cards are. Um, memorable and powerful, um, and th- that set did really, really well. So you, by the way, you've been on a lot of sets. You just you were naming sets you've led. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've been in a lot of them. I worked on M nineteen. I worked on M twenty. I worked on Eldraine. Um, yeah, I mean, I love stepping out of the meeting rooms and getting back into the the card design discussions. I still have a, a passion for that. I still play a lot of Magic on Arena, and I, and I even reinstalled Midgo since we've been stuck at home. Um, so, I mean, my, it's, I am often impressed at how much I enjoy the things we are making, despite me having played this game as much as I have for 20 years. So, I, I, I mean, I know we, we're continuing to do a good job, and, like, I, even I am, who is living and reading this, like, almost 24-7, can't wait to play with the next set or the next thing we've made okay so I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite things uh that you had you had done um is so you were on the time spiral team yeah and so one of the things on the time spiral team is i came up with this crazy idea to have the bonus sheet which was right. uh oh, yeah, yeah. there was you know a, a sheet of just cards from the past because um the flavor of time spiral block was past present future um and so the first set time spiral was about the past so aaron got you got put in charge of the time spiral sheet which was well, 121 cards, I think. Yep. Um, and you spent so much time on that, just like trying to build like the the perfect sort of uh, sheet of, of old cards. Yeah, I have. And uh, once we once we got published, um, Bill Rose gave me a framed copy of it that I still have in my den at home. Uh, yeah, it was a labor of love for sure, and I am. It, it encapsulates a lot of like my experiences with the game i uh, just when i started playing i would play with my roommates in college i would play with guys at the pick and i would play with my brother a lot of these people were not at all uh tournament players like i hadn't really gotten exposed to the spiky min maxing tournament crowd until the you know the, the guys from cmu andrew cuneo and eric lauer and mike curia and randy started coming by the pit the pit student union so we were all just goofing around all the time while making casual ridiculous decks 
humongous decks with way too many cards in them, things trying to pull off, you know, absurd combos, um, trying to figure out how to use bad cards in decks or cards no one else liked. So, I mean, I do think that experience, those few years I spent playing that way before I got into the tournament scene have been really informative to how I view the game now. Just that stuff is still fun and important to get right. It's not just about can we balance a metagame, can we tune numbers on a card to make sure it's showing up at the right percentages in standard or whatever. It's like, are we making stuff that just captivates you and wants you to try it and wants you to, you know, have, laugh while you're playing it and stuff like that. So, yeah, the time-shifted sheet, you see the goblin snowman and the spitting slugs and, uh, all these goofy car Uncle Istvan. It's all the stuff that we remember laughing about and having a good time with back in 1995 or whatever. I wanted to put that back in booster packs. Yeah, Squire. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, Squire. I don't think anyone ever enjoyed playing with Squire. That one was always there to raise the hackles a little bit. Yeah. Um, Squire was there mostly as like a, hey, the good old days weren't all good. You know, a lot of people are very, very wistful for how awesome magic sets used to be. And I was like, yeah, they used to put these cards in there. <laughs> no one remembers those. Did, did, did you put Orotog on the sheet just to sort of like... Just to make Squire that much worse? No, I don't even think I drew the connection that those two were one was one was strictly better than the other. Yeah. War Tog was just a, a card with a funny illustration that I can remember people trying to build decks around with stuff like Ranker or whatever we can sacrifice all this. It was always just a funny little guy. So no, that was not that that uh I don't think Squire needed the direct comparison for people to get it. So that, that was just coincidence. Um, so we don't have too much time left. So I, I'm, is, is, are there any fun magic stories that you would like to share uh, of from your your twenty almost twenty well twenty plus if you count outside of wizards? Um, and a couple other things that I'm proud of having a hand in. One is planeswalkers. I'm sure you've told this story several times, but um, well, let's hear your, your version of the story. Oh, I don't. I mean, I just remember having to. They were going to be in Future Sight. Yeah, I think they were too too hard to pull off, even for that set. Uh, so we bumped them to Lorwyn. So they suddenly became kind of my purview to, to help get right. And uh, just you and me and a bunch of other people. Devin Lowe springs to mind as the guy who was developing that set. Eric was there too. Um, just how much work it was, and how fortunate we were to get that first batch as correct as we did. Like we, those cards are at a power level that is, you know, almost exactly right yeah. for, how, for just as many knobs and numbers and words that are on them. Um, that that kind of paved the way for this. Them, those cards to be a successful and important part of our game and our IP ever since. Um, we could have easily screwed those up a yeah. hundred different ways. Um, and I just, I mean, I remember we we had ones that played like robots where they just kind of kicked through like a saga almost, but then started back at the beginning whenever we got done. There's a bunch of different other things we tried. Remember the initial batch was all like named after characters from Midsummer Night's Dream or something like that from Shakespeare. It was like yeah, Fendari or something. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a f- exciting seminal moment in magic to be a part of. And the other one was kind of when we, fell into New World Order, 
Yeah. Um, I distinctly remember going to the employees. So we have employee pre-releases uh, for every set where, you know, hundreds of people get together on a Friday afternoon or I think back then they were kind of after hours, but we get to have our own pre-release. We have a giant space where there's, you know, two, three hundred people playing with new cards. Went to the Morning Tide um, employee pre-release. And Lorwyn, on the heels of Time Spiral, was kind of when we were at our worst of like how many onboard tricks we were willing to put on cards, how complicated we were willing to make board states. Um, and I remember um, a guy from the organized play team opening up his pack and fanning out his cards. And he gets the Elvish Warrior, which is a 2-3 vanilla. And he goes, finally, a card with no text on it. <laughs> it was just draining for people to play through these games. And they would play one game and leave, or play one match and leave, because they got wrecked by a me-boy changeling turning their something else into something else. And then it was just, you know, they were just not enjoying the the burden that all this stuff that I think we as designers were kind of immune to, we actively enjoyed it. You know, like, look at all these cool things all my cards can do. Um, that we came back right after that and sat down and said, we need to do something different here. Like, this is not working for the greater audience. We need to tone it down. Yeah. And that led to the, the several meetings we had about what eventually became New World Order, where we kind of did tone it down. And it's a great success figured out the right level of that stuff to have in any given game. So anyway, um, we are, uh, I'm approaching work as it will. Um, so <laughs> say hi to everyone for me. I will. I will. So, um, anyway, I want to, I want to thank you for having you on. And, uh, it's, it's always fun. The one, one thing for me is fun of calling people on is just talk about these stories that like for long ago, they go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, quite a while. So, but anyway, I just want to thank you for having me on. And for everybody else, uh, I'm at my den. So we all know that means this is the end of my drive to work. So uh, instead of talking with Aaron and talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks for joining me, guys, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.